Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome back to part two of the Living with Freedom show. I'm Amber S. And we are creative problem solvers. I appreciate your guys' patience as I worked through some technology issues that were caused by none other than myself. It was my own fault for not doing my due diligence and double-checking the information when I created today's event and what happened was I set it for 15 minutes instead of the full time. So <laughs> we, you know, we're always exploring ways to do better and better and do the best we can in each moment. For those of you who are new to the show and just tuning in, I'm Amber S. from the Living with Freedom show, and I'm from Living with Freedom Ministries, bringing to you a vision of what living a life of freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every aspect of life. And that's what I do through my ministry, which is an unincorporated private church and ministry. I help people discover and fulfill their God-given purpose through the creation of their own PMA or ministry. All right. So in part one, you guys heard that today's national or today's holiday of the day is National Entrepreneur Day and how entrepreneurs really are about risk bearing or risk taking. And I also tried to answer the question of what do entrepreneurs, business people, have to do with living a life of freedom in the private domain? And really what it's boiling down to is the fact that to be a risk taker, to be a risk bearer, one must have a certain level of faith and belief in what they're doing to do it because there's a lot of risk to their to their livelihood to their relationships their finances um even even their reputation so there's a lot of risk with potentially very delayed gratification and i also made a reference to the god's not dead movie how being fed this web of lies about things like job security keeps us compliant and falling in line. But I want you guys to see that this, what we're talking about on today's show especially, is part of my purpose, being a rebel with a cause. I've seen the downfalls and the shortcomings and the poor teachings of obviously schools, but even many churches. And part of my calling is to raise awareness of these shortcomings so that we as believers can level up. We have fallen short in the faith community as a whole at guiding the next generation to not only figure out, to also pursue their God-given purpose. 
I mean, for crying out loud, most millennials who believe there's a God or, or even believe that there's some higher power believe that that higher power is out there, somewhere out there, and they don't know how to connect with it in any sense of closeness. And FYI, I'm saying it rather than God or him for the sake of those who don't feel the connection to God and struggle to even identify what or who the higher power could be. We need to be teaching kids that what they gravitate toward in life is part of their purpose and that God can and will, for those who choose faith over fear at least, God can and will use what we gravitate toward for not only our good, for for those of us around, for words. I mix, mix up my, uh, my nouns. So what I'm going to say is we're going to restart that sentence. We need to be teaching kids that what they gravitate toward, God can and will use those things they gravitate toward for not only their good, but for the good of those around them and sometimes even the good of the whole world. And we need to be teaching them for our own, from our own examples of strife and perseverance what it really looks like to have faith in our purpose. Now, I'm going to get a little bit personal here for a minute to drive that point home. Before we do that, I do want to cut to a really short commercial break. I don't want to take too much time away from the show because of my technology failures. But we're going to pause, but then I'm going to get a little bit personal to drive this point home. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. I'm Diana from Delivering the Truth and Exposing the Lies. Join Ross and myself every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time while we deliver the truth about what's really going on in the world. You don't want to miss our shows. See you then. Hey everyone, come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty Lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific Time for the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. All right, and we are back. So before the break, we had a little bit of technology challenges where we had a part one to today's show, and now we're in part two. And we're talking about entrepreneurs and how 
actually entrepreneurs are, in my opinion, leading leading the way in ministry and what ministry really is. And I shared before the break that we would be getting a little bit personal here for a minute to drive this point home. Now, I'm not ready to share the details yet, but this last week was one of a full circle experience as well as leveling up. First, though, when we experience challenges, do we fall in line? Do we step away from faith? Do we accept the status quo? Or or do we believe that we were put here in this time and place for such a time as this, like Esther? I was and am facing a challenge that could, for some, challenge their faith. But it strengthened my faith. How? Why? Because I've had my confrontation moment with God years ago. And I was at the point of exhaustion. Not like Jesus on the cross asking God if there was another way level exhaustion, of course. Because I didn't go through that level of suffering. But still, I have suffered. And I felt like I was at my personal breaking point. I was already not anywhere close to thriving. I was simply surviving. And frankly, if I was surviving in any less capacity, I knew that something was going to give and it was likely going to be my mental health. So I did the bold thing and the brave thing, something I'd never really done to my memory. And if I had it was one other time and didn't feel this convicting. What I did was I had to sit down with God. And I was pretty stern and pretty upset. I was telling God I needed to know and comprehend my purpose to be able to keep going. I needed to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, not just not just hope and trust that there was a light there around some bend. Anyway, this meant that when this current challenge came along, I knew this would be one on the spiritual level because I'd already, I feel like I've already won. God has shown me my path and my purpose. And I know that no weapon against me will stand because of my faith and conviction. But that didn't mean I was immune to the stress of having to deal with one more thing. So I reached out to my network and I started taking action and I did not fall stagnant. Being so, I was reminded of a song I learned um, attending a youth group conference in high school back around like 2006. And for those interested, the song is called You Are Good by Michael Gunker. And I'm going to see if I can pull up the lyrics. But anyways, you can also find the lyrics yourself. But back then, I honestly couldn't really tell you what God was good about or for. Like, of course, I knew that God somehow loved us and somehow Jesus took on our sins as his own and washed them away. But for real, yo, I didn't get it. 
like not a deep down kind of getting it. It was very superficial, very surface level. I'm going to make sure my volume's down, and then I'm going to try to pull up the lyrics here. Yes, here we go. Um, so here are some of the lyrics to that song. It says, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures, um, and your mercy endure us forever. It says that a couple times. We walk from every nation and town, from generation to generation. We worship you, hallelujah. We worship you, who you are. We worship you, who you are. Um, come on, sing it. <laughs> you are Lord. Um, it's definitely like a, a, a rally cry, um, cheer, you know, um, amp them up kind of a song. I'm going to see if there's any other parts to it that I really want to focus on. It says, you are good all the time, all the time. You are good. That's very much a central theme to the God's Not Dead movies, that God is good all the time, all the time God is good. And I honestly had not heard this or another one of his songs called Battle Cry, which also came to mind. Um, I hadn't heard heard those songs in, gosh, 10, 15 years. And so for these songs to come up right as I'm dealing with these situations, it's just mind-blowing, mind-boggling. Like Battle Cry, for instance. I, I couldn't really tell you what the battle was going to look like or be about as like a 16, 17-year-old. Um, but in this moment last week, I knew. I knew what the battle looked like. I could actually recognize it for the battle that it is. And we'll get to it a little bit later, but it I was able to remove myself as you know in a personal sense as um myself from the situation enough to recognize what the battle was. And this recognition, it emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually brought me to my knees in gratitude and also humility as well as a tiny ounce of frustration that the youth conference where I learned those songs, looking back, it really felt like it was reduced to barely more than an amp em up feel-good concert with some inspirational speakers. And side note, I do want to be very careful because I do still remember one in particular that did honestly accurately depict what struggles can look like and how hard perseverance and faith really is. And he was a modern day Paul in that he suffered tremendously and that that what Satan designed for evil and destruction, our faith in God, can and will facilitate great things through. And the more that we show our faithfulness the more we end up seeing the blessings that result from said faith. And that is the beauty of being a, quote, entrepreneur. And personally, for those of faith, really being a minister of your ministry. Because when you're serving others according to your God-given purpose, that's not business. That's ministry. 
it's selfless because you see a need, you feel a need. That's ministry, you guys. That is not just a business um, business plan. <laughs> and for some, this can be this faith. Um, and what faith can do. It can be evident for some people just through the commitment to a gratitude journal. But for others, it really comes in the form of what we go through in very trying ways. Things that test our faith. But it's good to remember that it's not God that's testing our faith like he's some mean school teacher giving a pop quiz. It's Satan testing our faith to see if we cave, to see if we fall out of faith and sin. A wise mentor taught me about, let's say, probably seven years ago, that the things we go through aren't about us. They're about what we can learn to then help others. And in the context of Satan wanting our destruction, it's not about us. Honestly, to him, we're measly vermin, in his opinion. But we're in the way of his control over earth. So if he destroys us, if he destroys our faith, he wins. So it's nothing personal. He's just a greedy, selfish jerk of the highest level. But yeah, when it's an attack on our relationships or our finances, our loved ones, it sure feels personal. And that's why it's so important to recognize the battle when it comes up. Because when we can recognize the battle, we recognize that it's not personal. It's just meant to feel personal, to break us. Don't let it break you. It is not personal. And we were put for such a time as this. So on National Entrepreneur Day, I want to invite us now to see that our passions, they are our God-given purpose. And they are worth protecting in the right way, which is not via a permission slip from man-made government, which by nature, is susceptible to flaws. If something is ordained by God, why would we put it in the hands of something less than God to govern? If we are ordained to follow, let's see, that's not the word. (laughs) If we are ordained to fulfill a purpose, why would we outsource to someone who it's not their purpose? oversee and have a say in the our purpose the answer is we shouldn't it's our personal private unincorporated ministry to serve others according to our God-given purpose it is not and should not ever be a creature of the state it should not ever susceptible and in the jurisdiction of the government to have a say over. This is why there is ample case law that recognizes and distinguishes the separation between the public and the private domains. This is why our First Amendment says that Congress shall make no law, you know, blah, 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 religion. (laughs) 
It's because they, our founding fathers, recognized that government is low on the hierarchy of laws and that the created cannot govern the creator. And if we, the people, created the government, it cannot have power over something that we have a right to. There's a case. I'm going to pull up the name of it real quick here. Um, It's Shuttlesworth versus Birmingham. And in this case, we find that rights are protected. Rights are not the same as privileges. And I won't get into it too much because I, I have a feeling we're going to be making a big a big show of this later on. Um, I do want to touch on it, though, so you know that this exists. Something that's a right, they can't touch. It is just not theirs to, to have a say over, to have jurisdiction over. Ours, we retain that right. So what I'm going to do here is wrap up this session a little bit early. And I want you guys to know that this <laughs> this is the, the crux of our th- third Tuesday PMA lesson. Yes, the roundabout kind of way today. But having the courage to stay faithful to the purpose and mission amidst the challenges, that's what being an entrepreneur, or better yet, being a minister of your ministry is really all about. And that courage is what's going to carry us, even with the challenges that may come. All right, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hello, Freedomizers. I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Ripper. Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer Radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the One World Government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitution or cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com Global Government, the Mystery School, Agenda 2030, chemtrails and geoengineering, manufactured disasters. We live in a time when awareness about current events and big media deception is critical to be prepared for the events that are rapidly descending upon us. This is Russ from Delivering the Truth and Exposing the Lies. Join Diana and me every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. as we expose the truth big media keeps lying about. Herbal medicine, the globalist real agenda, seen through the propaganda. Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you there. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org.
All right, I wanted to share that I'm on week three of using Green Chef, and I'm going to be honest, you guys, I am really impressed overall. I love that each week I can select from over, like, 40 meal options, and I can pick things, um, actually, I should say, I can pick categories, like keto or Mediterranean or gluten-free or a combination of these and more categories. And the best of all, in my opinion, with Green Chef is that their seasonal and organic produce, or that they have, I shouldn't say they are, they have seasonal organic produce. They also have premium proteins, which I can attest to. Their meats so far have been super delicious and fresh. Actually, today for lunch, I'll be honest. Today for lunch, I enjoyed a black bean rice bowl with street corn. And even though I'm not vegetarian, I was so incredibly satisfied, even without meat. I'm going to encourage you guys to give Green Chef a try with a discount code I'll share at the end. It gives you $180 off throughout your first three boxes. But honestly, if you're like me, you're going to add to your first box additional meals and get like... I don't know, eight meals for the price of two or three. And I'm not a math person, but I only paid like $80. Maybe it wasn't even that much for my first box, which was eight meals, two servings a piece. You can't even go out to eat for that price. And for a busy single mom, you know, fulfilling her purpose, conquering the world kind of thing, having meals pre-portioned out with recipes, you know, sent right to my door, it means a lot that I have, you know, have that much less shopping to do each week and prepping and all of that. So I encourage you to give Green Chef a try. You can check them out at bit.ly backslash L-W-F hyphen Green Chef. I'll spell that out. B-I-T period L-Y backslash L-W-F hyphen green chef G-R-E-E-N C-H-E-F I also also want to share that for any of you who are taking back your rights and your liberties that the How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer course really is a vital tool to protect and defend your rights. It's not just a matter of learning your constitutions to know what your rights are you have to know how to defend them don't leave the biggest part of defending them in the hands of someone who isn't even going to fight for you um, fight for you and your rights the how to win in court without a lawyer course by Dr. Graves does just that and I'll share that one of my mentors just shared with me this last week that he is actually friends with Dr. Graves and can attest to um, Dr. Graves' heart and his passion for sharing this information so that average people like you and me can learn what he's learned over his many years as a lawyer so we can protect and defend ourselves before it even needs to get to court. That's the coolest part. We don't even need to get to that point. So to take the How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer course, visit bit.ly backslash LWF hyphen how to win.
bit.ly backslash LWF hyphen how to win. All right. One of the things that I was challenged to do this week was to look up and study the meaning of the word lawful and the meaning of the word communication. And I will be fully transparent and honest. I did not remember to look up the meaning of the word communication. So this is where we're going to get to do some of this together. And the reason I think this is actually a good idea is I want to be able to show you how simple it really can be to learn this stuff. This does not require finding a law library or visiting a law office and, you know, pouring through their law books. It doesn't have to be like that today. Um, a lot of these resources that I find, <coughs> like for Black Law Dictionary, for instance, you can find on archive.org. They have an amazing plethora of resources that you can download for free. So, but we are going to start with the word of the day, which is lawful. Now, I will warn you, this one does, does have a long definition. So you're going to have to bear with me as we break each section down. I will do my best to sort of translate it into, um, you know, layman's terms. But I might have to wait until the end to make the whole thing make sense in context, okay? So, the definition of the word lawful means legal, means warranted or authorized by law, means having the qualifications prescribed by law, means not contrary to nor forbidden by the law, means not illegal. It goes on to say, the principal distinction between the terms lawful and legal is that the former, lawful, contemplates the substance of the law. The latter, legal, contemplates the form of law. To say of an act that is lawful implies that it is authorized, sanctioned, or at any rate, not forbidden by law. To say that it is legal implies that it is done or performed in accordance with the forms and usages of law, or in a technical manner. In this sense, illegal approaches the meaning of invalid. For example, a contract or will executed without the required formalities might be said to be invalid or illegal, but could not be described as unlawful. Further, the word lawful more clearly implies an ethical content than does legal. The latter, legal, goes no further than to denote compliance with positive technical or formal rules, while the former, lawful, usually imports a moral substance 
or ethical permissibility. A further distinction is that the word legal is used as the synonym of constructive, which lawful is not. Thus, legal fraud is fraud implied or inferred by law or made out by construction. Lawful fraud would be a contradiction of terms. Again, lethal, lethal words. <laughs> so many words. Again, legal is used as the antithesis or opposite of equitable. Thus, we speak of legal assets, legal estate, etc., but not of lawful assets or lawful estate. But there are some connections in which the two words are used as exact equivalents. Thus, a lawful writ, warrant, or process is the same as a legal writ, warrant, or process. See also legal, legitimate, valid. I've also heard the the distinction between the two to be more like, and I like what they were saying about like ethics and morality, because that really does touch on, I think, the heart of lawful versus legal. According to statutes, it might be legal to do or not do something, but if we're talking about being lawful, like in accordance to constitutional law, in accordance to our natural God-given rights, something may not be lawful, but it might be legal. And so there is a difference, and it's very, very important for us to know the difference and use the difference between lawful and legal. This is how we hold our opponents or those in government trying to challenge us. This kind of stuff is how we hold them accountable, you guys. So now I want to look up together the definition of the word communication. And again, I'm using the 1990 version of Black's Law Dictionary. I downloaded a free PDF version, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to... Um, Pick a page number until cause PDF is a little bit difficult to try to search just the def, the, the term. Because if you use the word communication, for instance, you'll get every time in the entire book that the word communication is used. And so it does make it a little bit difficult sometimes to search. But honestly, it's free. I'm not going to complain. All right, so I am close to the right section, um, communication. So let's actually start with the word communicate. Oops, as I'm flipping pages. <coughs> to communicate means to bestow, convey, make known, recount, impart, to give by way of information, to talk over, to transmit information. See also, utter. Not like a cow's utter, like U-T-T-E-R. Like, t 
to utter a word. <laughs> I think that was helpful to understand the the deeper meaning of the word communication that we're going to be digging into. So here comes communication. Communication is information given, the sharing of knowledge by one with another, conference, consultation, or bargaining preparatory to making a contract, or bargaining preparatory to making a contract. Intercourse, not that kind, <laughs> or connection, act of or system of transmitting information. A communication is ordinarily considered to be a deliberate interchange of thoughts or opinions between two or more persons as distinguished from res, res gestae, gestae, Latin term, expressions which are spontaneous or instinctively provoked or made while under such shock or excitement as to preclude the possibility of design. Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reread that part. That is very significant to pay attention to. A communication is ordinarily considered to be a deliberate interchange of thought or opinion between two or more persons, as distinguished from res gestae expressions. So basically spontaneous expressions which are spontaneously or instinctively provoked or made while under such shock or excitement as to preclude the possibility of design. I might also say um, without um, without the ability to, to like in, speak intentionally, right? So communication is designed to be intentional, whereas this res, res gestae, geste, however you say it, whatever, um, expression is something that is reactionary and spontaneous. It is not intentional. So that's interesting. All right. It goes on to say confidential communications as like a subcategory. These are certain classes of communications passing between persons who stand in a confidential or fiduciary relation to each other or who, on account of their relative situation, are under a special duty of secrecy and fidelity, which the law will not permit to be divulged or allow them to be inquired into in a court of justice for the sake of public policy and the good of order of society. Examples of such privileged relations are those of a husband and wife, doctor and patient, and attorney and client. Such are privileges, or such are privileged at the option of the spouse witness, the patient witness, the client witness. For purpose of rule that the attorney-client privilege is limited to communication between the attorney and the client, communication is not restricted to oral or written matters, but extends to information communicated by the client to the attorney by other means. See privileged communications. The last part of this definition for communication also adds libel or slander. 
as an essential element of tort liability for libel or slander, such communication, i.e. publication, may be either printed, written, oral, or conveyed by means of gestures or exhibition of a picture or statue. See libel, see publication, see slander. Whew, that was a lot, you guys. I hope that as we read through these, it starts to make sense why the meanings of the words we use has so much importance and that we should always declare the right, R-I-T-E, and the right, R-I-G-H-T, to give meaning to the words that we use and also to correct our now and forever especially when in cases like the word communication um, when we are being challenged it is very possible and very easy for us to consider that we may speak in a res gesti way in a, in a spontaneous not thought out reactionary kind of way rather than communicate in an intentional way. So, that's our little uh, grammar vocabulary lesson for the day. This is really fascinating. I'm glad we're looking through this because this is definitely going to be helpful for me in, you know, in what we're looking at with with our challenge, but as we grow in understanding our privacy and our rights and our liberties, it is, it's, I'm going to acknowledge that, yeah, it can get really frustrating, you guys, that it's falling, it feels like it's falling on our shoulders to fix the mess. I want to give us a word of encouragement, though. I want to encourage everyone to consider and sit with this possibility that every generation of average people were doing the best they could with what they had. I'm sure every single one of us can think of a situation where In hindsight, something was very obvious. Something made a lot of sense to do or not to do. But in the moment, it didn't feel that clear. So I want us to be very cautious of looking back and admonishing or talking down or talking bad about previous generations. Because if we weren't there, if we weren't in their shoes, knowing what they knew, experiencing what they experienced, we really can't possibly imagine what led them to make the decisions that they made, good or bad. What I do want us to do, though, is to learn from that experience, to study and evaluate where they came from. What might have gone wrong in how they were taught to 
to go through something or to learn about something or to experience something, try our best to explore and evaluate what might have gone wrong in their experience that led them to make those decisions so that we can then proactively teach those lessons to our generation and future generations. For instance, with PMAs, because today is third Tuesday PMA. I, five years ago, let's see, five year, years ago, what about 2018? So I'm going to go a little bit farther back just to be safe. and before, I had never even heard of this term PMA. And if you're tuning in, PMA stands for Private Membership Association or just Private Member Association. And when I learned about this stuff, initially, I mean, I was... um, I'll say that I was cautiously optimistic. I was doing my best to be open-minded, and yet I still recognize the possibility that it could be what we now call a PSYOP. For instance, for example, and as I continue to dig in and ask questions and read study what I was being given, trying to cross-check, trying to verify, trying to find a second um, bit of information to back it up, I found so much truth in what I was learning. Are there missing puzzle pieces? Uh, Yes and no. At surface level, especially when you're getting started, it can feel like there's a lot of missing information about PMAs and this whole privacy thing. But as you start to kind of branch out your explorations and really start to dig in and read and digest things like our constitutions, the state constitution, the U.S. constitution, and as Christians, as as believers and citizens of the kingdom of God, Our Bible is our other constitution. As we continue to dive into those things, we start to fit more pieces of the puzzle together. As we start to study things like Black's Law Dictionary, Bovier's Law Dictionary, um, the How to Win a Court Without a Lawyer course, Maxims of Law, studying common law. As we start to do these things, we start to expand our view of what the the picture actually looks like. Initially, we might have picked up this one individual puzzle piece called PMA. And then we start to study our constitution. So we pick up three more puzzle pieces. And as we start to digest more and more of this and putting these pieces together and the way they touch and the way they piece together to lock, you know, together, we start to get a better vision 
it's like someone's taking the camera lens and turning it to focus. So you can start to see the grand picture, not just the micro picture on our puzzle piece. And this is, I feel, um, another component of what churches at large have very much failed at. We do so many Bible studies. We take so many individual verses out of context of how and when they were used. We also don't always look at all of the possible verses on a given subject. And that's where we get so much fragmentation amongst the churches. And also then what we're taught and how we're taught to exist in this world. So many churches don't teach us anything beyond salvation and the salvation message. Maybe at most they teach baptism, and usually it's baptism by water. Most churches that I have heard about do not do a good job at teaching people to understand their purpose. To read that deeply into the word, that we can see our own purpose through the purpose shared of the people in the Bible. Paul is a really great example because he actually does touch on this, especially as you, and I'm going to pull up my Bible app here quick so I can look through the, the, the books. Uh, do, do, open up faster, please. <laughs> All right. We're in, in the New Testament and we're after... Let's see. I would say we start to get into it, I think, in in my memory, a little bit in Romans. But really, we start to get into it in Corinthians, in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. I'm not to Timothy yet. But this, you know, thus far, Paul, I feel like, does a really good job of explaining where he's been and where he's going. And I want those who are leaders in churches to hear me with an open heart. I'm not trying to church bash. I believe in the Ecclesia and the first century churches, you know, the churches of the Bible, of the Word. I'm saying this because I was a millennial that was pushed away from church because of my experience. And I will gladly speak on behalf of many, 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 many millennials and younger that the way we do church today, one, according to the Bible from what I've been reading, does not equate to what we're supposed to be doing. But the way we're doing it is doing our youth a major disservice. And it's actually why so many youth leave the church when they graduate high school and go off to college or go off to work somewhere. It's because they were never taught 
what a connection with God actually looks and feels like. They were never taught, I should say we, we were never taught how to cultivate that relationship or to really even listen how to hear, you know, God speaking to and through us. Most of us were taught about God, about Jesus. We were taught about them in story form. And while stories aren't bad in and of themselves, only learning about them in story form makes it so that, um, how should I say it? Makes them feel fictional, I think is really the best way to put it. It doesn't make them feel like real people that actually lived, and especially not like real people that, or real beings, I should say, that we can actually connect to and have a relationship with today. I don't have all of the answers on how to cultivate that relationship yet. I'm formulating them as I continue to read on my own without the influence of others and and their interpretations. And I feel like I've, uh, um, I've been a little bit blessed in that way because I had grown up with so little exposure to church as we know it today and that the little bit of exposure I did have was very much in the form of stories or in the form of picking certain verses to fit a certain theme or message. When I did decide to start reading my Bible cover to cover by myself, I was able to kind of separate myself from what I previously knew and come into this challenge I put on myself with an open mind, with freshness in my thoughts, um, and really being curious about what I may or may not learn. It was never... uh, It was never done to kind of poo-poo on churches of today. It was never the intention, and still isn't. Because a lot of people today thrive on church connections and having that weekly connection. And I'm not saying we should not be gathering in Christ because we're two or more, you know, are gathered. Their God is too. What I am saying is I think it's high time that we reevaluate our method of doing church. Let's stop giving lip service to the fact that church is not the building, church is the people, and yet we continue to meet in the building every single week. How are we being any better than the Pharisees? When we worship this building more than we value the relationships, the going out and and meeting with people and just loving on them in whatever way they need, not in a way that we think they need. And this is something that 
I'm I'm pulling at straws a little bit on this one. But I feel like this is something that Jesus really capitalized on. The whole golden rule thing um, versus the platinum rule. So the golden rule says treat others the way you want to be treated. But that's actually not really what Jesus did. When he was out healing people, he healed the people that had faith and believed. And yes, he did that often without asking because he had a deeper knowing than we do because he's, you know, with God, he's of God. So for us, you know, humans, it requires asking questions. But when we look at the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated, those who are faithful and believe that Jesus could heal them, They want to be treated as believers who are worthy of being healed. And so Jesus treated them that way. But we know that when he went to his hometown and people did not believe, he did not heal them. If we were acting from the golden rule, Jesus would have wanted others to heal him because he wanted to be healed. So if we were acting on the golden rule, or I guess if Jesus was, Jesus healed everybody regardless of their belief. But he didn't. He healed the ones that believed they were deserving of being healed because of their belief in Jesus. I, I guess I shouldn't say deserving, but capable, able to be healed because of their belief in Jesus. And I think that's a concept we could benefit from teaching in our churches. Focus on the needs of the people, not what we assume the needs are. My mom has a really beautiful example. She used to work for an emergency services organization, a nonprofit, and I won't name names because that's not the important part. She was one of the leaders on this emergency um, situation. There was mass flooding. And some of the people underneath her wanted to gift through the organization to a specific family um, a water heater. And my mom had to take a step back and reevaluate for these youngins. Did they have a water heater before the flood? No. What would be the impacts of having the water heater now? The impacts would be that they would need to be able to pay for the electricity and everything, you know, and and the gas to run the water heater. But this particular family was in such a poverty-stricken you know, time in life that they had found a way to live without the water heater. They would go to the local Y. They had a family account, a family plan at the Y. And so what they would do is they would go down to the Y and go there for their showers and 
you know, that kind of stuff. So they found a way to live around it because they couldn't afford to have it. So actually using the golden rule, treating others the way we want to be treated, would have hurt that family more than evaluating what that family wanted to be treated with. It needed to be treated with. My last thought for the day is I want us to remember that God called us to do great things. Jesus told us that those of us who believe would do what he did and greater things because he was going to be with the Father. How can we do that if we are living so small? Being his sheep does not mean that we are meant to be nice, that we are meant to roll over when challenged or questioned, to follow the status quo. There will be times of trouble and there will be times of affliction and we need to stay firm on our word which is God's word, the Bible. We need to stay firm and true in that knowledge that those of us who experience challenges, the greater the challenge, the greater the triumph. Another way to put it is the greater the trial, the greater the victory. Do our best to look at these challenges not as a threat, which is very easy to do, but see it as what I'm saying it is, a challenge. If you were an athlete growing up or even in the spelling bee, I don't know, whatever, a challenge was something to be overcome. It was a hurdle. It was an obstacle to find your way past. It was not something to give up over. I don't want us to give up now. We are capable of learning new things. Whether you're 13, 30, or 83, you are capable of learning this stuff. Our founding fathers ranged from Benjamin Franklin's first letter as Silent Stugut, I believe he was 16 years old. 16, you guys. Age is irrelevant. If you struggle reading, there are programs out there that will convert text to voice. We must stop letting excuses get in our way of doing better, of protecting our rights. Because that is the only way we can live with freedom and fulfill our God-given purpose, being the ministers of our ministry, is if we learn what we should have known all along and really look at life as a continuing education experience. We never stop learning. And the day we stop learning is the day we die. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, whatever. The day we stop learning is the day we die. So let the day that you die 
in the day that you stop learning actually be the day that you take your final breath at the end of your life, not today down the road when God calls you home. Don't give up before then. So to recap our episode for today, because I know we're looking at about five minutes left. <clears throat> to recap for today, we started out talking about how today is National Entrepreneur Day and how I want us to reframe how we see entrepreneurs and, and not see them so much as being in business, but having the faith to be ministers of their own ministry, of being ministers of your own ministry fulfilling your higher purpose, serving others, being faithful enough to do it even though there are risks involved. Striving and desiring to have the privacy and the protection of ecclesiastical law, which is God's law, and not relying on something below us, below we the people, for our permissions. I also want us to embrace this rebel with a cause spirit. Recognizing that there is no such thing as job security. It's a myth. And I also want us to recognize where we as the church, as the ecclesia, can do better. It's not something to to be hard on ourselves over what's done is done but we can always choose in every moment to do our best so let's choose now how can we do better and then the last thing that we really covered today is our words and the importance of our words we went really in depth in the definition of the word lawful we also went really in-depth in the word communication. Something I didn't do before and I want to encourage you as homework to do is combine the meaning of the word lawful and the meaning of the word uh, communication to understand what lawful communication is. This, you guys, is the building blocks. This is how we build our knowledge and build our ability to defend ourselves. When we break it down to the bare minimum basic definitions and then start to put them together to create meaning. Creating meaning. That's what this is all about. Purpose and meaning they're all the same thing. What does your life mean if it doesn't have purpose? What is the purpose of life if it has no meaning? <laughs> That's a really good imponderable. <laughs> if you haven't discovered yet, I love philosophy. I love tying it to spirituality. And I also love tying it to how we express, how we communicate with each other. For me, they're all highly integrated with one another, and when we try to separate them too much, we lose part of the message, part of the communication. 
This has been episode 20 of the Living with Freedom show. I'm your host, Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Even with our technology issues and our our part one and part two of the call today. Please remember to schedule this show in your calendar every Tuesday from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Central, noon to 1.30 Pacific. And if you've been enjoying the Living with Freedom show or any of the Living with Freedom ministries, I want to encourage you to consider donating through PayPal using the ministry's email, livingwithfreedom at protonmail.com. Your support is what helps keep this ministry's mission alive. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next week where we continue to explore what living a life of freedom looks like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every aspect of life. Have a great day, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.